Welcome everyone to the Stupid Sexy Podcast. It's looking at podcast and nothing at all. I'm Chris O'Mealy and that is Dan Peck. And Dan, what are we reviewing this week? This week on the Stupid Sexy Podcast, the boys intervene on behalf of you to watch Season 2, Episode 20, airing on May 2nd, 1991. It is... Simpsons. The War of the Simpsons. Uh, yet another look at Marge and Homer's supposedly failing marriage that never fails. Well, dude, this aired two weeks before the pay-per-view we just reviewed on the other show. Yes, we review a VIP Wrestle Talk for patrons of CKCC Radio. And I was like, just... wait, May 1991? Yes, so... I just saw that date in that section on Wikipedia. Yes, we just reviewed Super Brawl 1, and that took place May 19th, so we're on May 2nd right now. But first, I'd like to give a quick shout-out to all the other great stuff you can check out on CKCC Radio, including The Nerd Table, Real Paranormal Talk, Ranking Tracks, Motivational Moves, J Bunny's Music Hub, The Bored to Death Binge Cast, The Race Nerd Podcast, By the Numbers... The A-Show, and Chris Ranks the Universe. All this and much more available at CKCC Radio, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. So, yeah, The War of the Simpsons, I'll say it outright, low tier for me. Just because I'm tired of Margin Homer storylines, but I have to look at this retroactively and see if this still holds up well. Because just because I'm tired of them, and we've seen too many of them. And it's only season two, and it's season only one was only like eight episodes. So. <laughs> that, and that had like two of them. <laughs> so <laughs> let's see how well this one holds up, and we'll take an objective look at I'm the end here. I will say it has some great moments, some all-timers. Yes. So... So we'll start off, of course, with the uh, the chalkboard. Bart is writing, I will not do anything bad ever again, which proved to be a lie. And then the couch gag is everybody jumps on the couch, but Homer is too fat, shoves them all on the floor, and then he just casually, <laughs> casually yeah, sits back. Over. Yeah. So Marge and Homer are throwing a fancy soiree. They're throwing a dinner party. They even have horse duvers out, as Homer so eloquently Puts them. Whores do breeze. They're pretty excited about the uh, about this party here. And, of course, they got to send the kids to bed because that's the trope, right? Is the kids are never allowed at the fancy dinner party. They got to go to bed first. And, of course, Bart goes, you can't have any fun in bed. And Homer's like, oh, now, boy, when you get a little older, you're going to learn that that's not true. So you think sex, but then they visualize him eating a huge sandwich in bed. <laughs> But I think that's, like, the best part, right, is that that's always one of Homer's things. Like, remember... Homer's not even thinking about sex, he's thinking about eating a sandwich. Well, like, when he's, like, oh, having great moments in the backseat of the car, and it cuts to, like, the lover's point, and it turns out that he's just eating a bunch of snacks. That's in a, that's in a future episode. Uh, so many... <laughs> so much funny stuff there. So, of course, the uh, the guests start to arrive... You have the Flanders, the Lovejoys, the Hibberts. Some other people are there, too. Barney's there, Patty and Selma. 
the bar flies, Sam and Larry are there, Moe's there, and some unidentified people. But as soon as they walk in, Flanders is like, oh, the house looks great. You've done whatever you did to it. And he's like, hey, Homer, let me serve as bartender. I mix a mean drink. With Mo right behind him. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, I do have a uh, like anthology. And... <laughs> yeah, college boy. <laughs> I love that, that Mo is just, like, offended by this. And but... then he makes a, a, a fruit punch cocktail, and Homer's like, time out. That didn't take Next time, put the alcohol in. And he's like, oh, there's a hell of alcohol in this. Yeah, and as he's describing it, Homer starts slurring his words because... So he is already drunk, and you can see where this is going. Yes, he's drunk off one. I know you're not a big drinker, Dan, but that is actually true, that mixed drinks will get you drunk ten times faster than any beer would. And that's why I prefer mixed drinks. They taste better, they work faster, so my wallet thanks me later, too. And I... I am a happier drunk off of mixed drinks than I ever will be off of beer. I'm not a happy drunk off beer. So, I don't really drink beer anymore anyway. I Just give me my mixology oh, stuff. Beer smells and tastes nasty. It, yeah. I mean, there are some beers I think taste great, but yeah. What's so, filling? So, one thing I got to know is one of the out, outer shots of the house is all the cars parked, and there's clearly a car that's just parked on the lawn. Right, yeah, right in the front lawn. <laughs> So, Patty and Selma are sitting there smoking cigarettes, and Barney's like, Hey, you're Marge's sisters. I didn't know you were so attractive. And Patty immediately maces him in the face. Didn't I date <laughs> one of you once? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, and he gets maced, and he talks about the quality of the mace. Yeah, right he's like, yeah, that's a... It must be a new formula they're using. It hurts like hell. Because that just... Because he's obviously been maced that many times. Yeah, that's one of my favorite tropes is the guy that gets maced and acts like it's hardly anything. Or they com- they comment on the cocktail involved in the mace because they know mace so well. Yeah, exactly. Because they're, they're, they're a creep, but they're not a rapist. But right. they're a creep. But they're still creepy, so they still tasted it. So they get maced for being a creep. <laughs> But they don't need to introduce <laughs> themselves to new neighbors whenever they move. You know what? I don't think I know anybody who's ever been maced. If any of you listening to the show have ever been maced, please let me know in the comments and tell me what that experience was like. I mean, I've thought about carrying mace as a defense mechanism, I, especially for my wife, but... No, that I think all the women in my family. Should I go for... Or should I just go for the taser? I'd be, I would, I would use Mace is better for I don't want other people that are around, you know? Well, I mean, I can't carry my 22, so I mean, I mean, I can, but I also, that's not a, it's not a concealed thing. I don't have a concealed weapon like that. I have a, I have a switchblade, but you know, I think you have Jay White. But, well, well, here's the thing. The Mace works as a, at a distance, right? Switchblade, you gotta, like, be on top... They're already on top of you, so... You know, what What are you gonna go for there? And, and with Mace, if there's an, an, an incident with other outsiders, it's not, like, gonna be awful. You know, the worst thing ever. Yeah. But I also, I also should just get a taser. Because that would just be better. Probably well, I know police officers have to get tased and get maced. So yes, they know. They, they know. Exactly. 
So Bart sneaks downstairs and changes the uh, the party snacks to read "Boy, our party sucks" because you know it's Bart. And Homer's like, "Hey, Bart, do that cute thing that you do." What do you mean? You know that thing? I don't know what you're talking about. Go to bed. <laughs> and then, of course, the classic party trope with the coat pile. Marge is throwing all the coats on the bed because that's what What's you always. In the bed? And then uh, Maggie shows up in the pile and literally robs one of them. Yes. She steals out the wallet, takes out a pile of $5 bills, and just rips them up into confetti. Yep. But, uh, but yeah, Homer is just making a giant ass out of himself. He's, uh, he is, you know, bouncing all over the couch. He's spilling on top of himself. He is trying to tell off a guy that he just met because Marge is friends with his wife, so they've never met before. And he also is staring down Maud's chest. Maud, give me a handful of peanuts. Oh, the ones at the bottom. Oh, so he's actually the creep here. And when the party concludes and everybody's leaving. Oh, I, I almost didn't mention uh, Dr. Hibbert's not happy because Homer snuck a novelty ice cube into his drink. It's got yes, the, the fly. With the fly. If either of those are made with bad plastics and stuff, it would have actually been better if it was an actual fly. <laughs> an actual fly, and Homer just thinks it's the funniest thing ever. But and he as... eventually blacks out in his fav- favorite place to pass out. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like five feet in front of the door. <laughs> yup. It's not the first time, and it won't be the last. <laughs> and, of course, Marge is just apologizing like crazy, and Dr. Hibbert gives him the line, you know, if you want him to live through the night, you should turn him on his stomach. The key word there is if. And the worst part is Marge actually leaves him on his back. Well, she tries. He's so fat. (laughs) And she's like vacuuming around him the next day to wake him up. And when he gets up, you see like all the crap under him that she couldn't get to. And he's like, Homer, come with me. We're going to sit out in the car. Oh, I I love this. Because the whole point is my, my parents would fight in front of us. And we'd always know it or whatever. And so we do this in the car and then shoot to the kids in the living room. Oh, they're fighting again. Yeah. And they're they're playing La Cucaracha on the radio. And Lisa's like, that song sends chills down my spine. Oh, and that's the other Oh, man. It's like, ugh. It was but, like uh, on uh, the Yellow Wiggly show. Uh, one of his callbacks... When, when he's an adult realizing about a kid when when he was a kid was that when Chico and the man was on TV was when his parents went upstairs and had sex. <laughs> so we can't watch reruns of Chico and the man. <laughs> so of course, Marge says, do you remember anything that happened last night? And Homer remembers like this super fancy party where In he's black and white, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> Oh, there appears to be a fly in my drink. I put it there. Oh, good show. <laughs> like, everybody's got the exaggerated accents. And they're having a great time. And then he eventually does remember who was there. And staring down Maud's chest. But, so of course, uh, Marge gives him the lecture. And he's like... I, I'm going to church. You are not. Yeah. But you, you need to explain to Bart why he's losing respect for his father. And when Homer tries to explain it to him, Bart goes, Dad, I want you to know I have as much respect for you now as I ever did. 
<laughs> it's like the the ultimate backass handed line there. So Homer goes to church to to meet up with Marge, and of course, he's doing the classic thing where he's disrupting the service because he he's trying to be stealthy, but he's got the squeaky shoe. He's got the squeaky shoe. Did you notice that when he when he leans over Maud's shoulder, the first thing she does is go to cover up her cleavage? Like I th- I thought that was actually pretty funny, and of course. The best part is, how does he not know where Marge is because her hair just sticks up? And he, I don't know how he didn't just walk in and see her, but yeah. So, of course, he, Lovejoy mentions that they're going to be doing a marriage retreat. And he's like, will the Simpsons be joining? Yeah, right. And he sees Marge signing up. And he tries to stop her from signing it, but she does anyway. She goes, we'll be there. And he gets, lets out the dough. So now, they got to get a babysitter for the kids. And well, Homer is all excited to go now. That he realizes where it's taking place because it's up at the lake, right? Mm-hmm. What was the? Uh, was it just called Catfish Lake? Yeah, it was Catfish Lake. And he's like, they wouldn't call it that if it didn't have a catfish in it. I'm like, all right. I mean, I guess that makes sense, right? But. The best is when the babysitter shows up. It's like this this redheaded teenager. And he's like, she's like, wait, Simpson? And then there's Bart. He goes, oh, come back for more, eh? And they do the flashback where Bart, as a toddler, almost runs her down in the family car. Like he's just in a diaper and he's got a pacifier. And almost kills this babysitter. He would remember that. (laughs) Yeah. Or... Perhaps she remembered it. But either way, it's really funny. So who's the last-minute replacement? Of course, it's Grandpa. He's already there. He's already there. They... Oh, sure! A grandparent! The yeah. last resort! The last resort! Yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> so, of course, they give him the list. You know, if Maggie Maggie does this, call this number. If she swallows chemicals, do this. He's like, I can read. And then Bart's like, oh, they left in such a hurry, they forgot to give you this. It's a list of things that Lisa and I can and cannot do. And he's like, you're allowed to smoke cigars. So they're on their way up to the marriage retreat. And Homer's just like, uh-oh. Well, he sees the bait shop. And he checks the fuel tanks on full. He's like, oh, better get some gas. He tells the guy to fill it up and goes in to get the bait. And of course, the gas, like the attendant goes to put the gas in, and it immediately starts leaking right out because it's full. And this is another classic trope here: the uh, the the salesman selling the bait. He's got he's got to tell the legend, right? He's like, ah, going to do some fishing, eh? Gonna have to General Sherman there. Who's General Sherman? Oh, only the biggest catfish that ever lived. So he's excess of five hundred pounds. Who says that? Well, they do, of course. And it's like the four locals. So he's like, he, hang out at the bait shop all day playing cards. Yeah. So of course, what's what's the thing, right? Like the guy tells him oh, the legend, and I'm, I'm going to get him. Yeah, and of course the guy's like, oh dear, like he's so shocked that Homer agreed to this. And it's like you knew what the hell you were doing. They arrive and they've got three couples. Their best turnout yet. It's. The Simpsons, the Flanders, and then John and Gloria. And John and Gloria get to go first, and they solve all their problems by looking into each other's eyes. 
And they actually have, like, real problems, right? Like, he's not a man. You know, he's, he sucks in bed. Yeah, well, she never cooks or cleans, and she treats me like garbage. Well, why don't you look into each other's eyes? Oh, your eyes are beautiful. Let's never fight again. And they take off, and that's all it took. Just, like, right after he says it's going to take the entire weekend. Yeah. Yeah, you can't, you can't save a marriage in a couple of hours. It takes a whole weekend to do that. Three seconds. <laughs> so Lovejoy's already proven that his methods are, uh, his timing on these methods are fraudulent. It depends on the couple. So Lovejoy doesn't have that going for him. So it comes to, all right, well, Homer, what's wrong with Marge? Oh, but first they do the Flanders problems. Ah, oh, Maud, God bless her. Sometimes she underlines passages in my Bible instead of hers. <laughs> the extent of their problems, right? Yeah. Oh, uh, Marge is perfect. You know? He has, like, one flaw. And then Marge's list goes on so long that Go they... Go tonight, they miss a luau. That they, <laughs> they have to retreat for the night. So meanwhile, while this is happening... Uh, Bart and Lisa are at the supermarket with Grandpa, and they're buying like all these, all this excess chocolate ice cream. And Grandpa's like, "You sure your kids are allowed to do this?" Well, first Lisa's like, when they're in the car, and Bart's explaining, you know, "Oh, we're gonna go to the arcade and do all this other stuff." Lisa's kind of like having a moral crisis, but then she's completely going along with it in the supermarket. She's like excitedly throwing the ice cream into the cart. So she's, clear. she's reading the list, right? Yeah, she's actually the one reading the list, right? And I like that Bart's Bart's actively smoking a cigar while they're in the supermarket. Not like, my favorite ice cream gag that they do in The Simpsons, though. No, no, the, I, the, we know ice what the best one is. The, is mm, chocolate. Mm, chocolate, yeah, we'll get to that one. Dude, yeah, but but it's still really, really funny. Especially because because uh, no supermarket that I know would let you smoke a cigar inside it unless it's like the fifties. Well, it was nineteen ninety one. Uh, we get some McBain on this episode too. Another part of the mini movie. Yes. McBain, I'm tired of these antics. In this jurisdiction, we go by the book, and then he shoots the book and goes by book. <laughs> so stupidly subtle. Isn't it past your bedtime, Grandpa? Go to bed. And now Lisa's once again having an ethical crisis. But it'll get even worse from here. So, the next morning, Homer wakes up, and the whole plan is to go out, catch the fish, cook him up, eat him, and then be back in bed. It'll be the perfect crime. And Marge catches him walking out the door in his full bait-and-tackle gear, which, of course, that's like the big thing, right? Is if you wanted it to be so sneaky, why'd you change right there in the room? Yep. She's like, we came here to save our marriage. You're thinking about fishing even when I'm talking right now. She turns into a catfish. He's like, I can't sleep. Let me go for a walk. And to Homer's credit, he's actually like, I gotta be a good husband. I gotta... He was, I, actually, he was actually upset that she was upset with him and he was yeah. gonna try. But and, then he was like, well, I, get, I can't go back to sleep. I'm gonna go for a walk. And he was just going to go for a walk, and he was trying to figure out, like, what's wrong with him. And there's the kid that was fishing, and he forgot his pole. And as soon as he Homer goes to give it to him, he gets dragged out by the fishing rod into a boat and ends up out in the lake. The best is when Marge wakes up and just looks outside and just see him doing circles in the lake, just screaming. And then, uh, so of course, she has to attend the truss exercise by herself. 
And she's like, do I have to do this? Well, no, Marge. In fact, even if Homer was here, I wouldn't recommend it. And then, of course, Homer's like, oh, you probably well, he was just like, there's something I, I, I would never say to anybody, but it is completely your husband's fault. <laughs> yeah, it's 100 percent his fault. And I will I'll put that on a certificate that you could frame. <laughs> so Homer's out there and he's like, all right, fish, you probably think I've given up, but I'm going to catch you and I'm going to be famous. Like, and he just can't think of any famous fisherman. But he actually reels in the fish. He punches it out and then hits it with the oar. And that's how he successfully gets it. But before we get our conclusion to that story. Homer to the beat plot. Bart calls Millhouse, telling him he's going to have a party. Millhouse starts spreading the word. Otto. Yeah, and then Otto's bringing his gnarly friends, and then it cuts to Snake. And he's like, all right, I have parole at two, and I'm already invited to a party. (laughs) (laughs) And the party itself is exactly what you would expect. The best is Grandpa, like, exits the bathroom after he takes a shower and comes out to just a party that he didn't even hear and immediately just retreats back in. And, you know, it's all the excess crap that's going on. They're eating, they're eating crap, they're partying, they're tearing stuff up. And then when they finally all take off, Grandpa's crying hysterically. And Bart's like, what do we do, Lisa? She's like, let's clean like harder than you've ever cleaned before. Let's do, let's get this cleaned up. And you realize Grandpa might be faking it. Well, uh, he smiles right away. He smiles right away. And there's a great payoff to that, too. So, Homer singing, We Are the Champions, reworded to be him. And Marge is like, I can't believe you, Homer, that you would do this. You're so selfish and everything else. He's like, you know what, Marge? She's like, I bet you wouldn't even give that fish back. Yeah, well, watch me. And he actually throws the fish back. And he's like, I did it so easily. I gave up fame and breakfast. All with one word. And you think there's a problem with our marriage? Come here, baby. And she's like, oh, Homer, and forgives him immediately. And then the fish is suddenly alive and then they jump. (laughs) Yeah, it it does the wink, right? Does the classic wink. They also did another, they did a storyline like this on Hey Arnold that I actually kind of like too, where Arnold and Gerald catch the, the famous big fish and then they end up giving it back. And Arnold's like, but I feel so bad for him. And Gerald's like, all right, just do it before I change my mind. And so, of course, they we get the cleaning montage, which is actually pretty funny. You know, there's footprints on the ceiling. There's yeah, all, like, yeah, all, kinds of... all kinds of wacky stuff. I like when Bart ch- ch- turns over the couch cushion and sees that it's stained on both sides. So he picks the less stained side and puts a pillow over it. Yep. Classic. Another classic. What the the other one that I always liked the uh, the party trope with the Simpsons is when they're like, "What do we do with this mess? Sweep it under the rug," and they have like the swimming rug, and every time they're taking a step, you hear like the cat yell, and then you hear a guy go, "Hey, Pally." That's another episode. We'll get to that, of course. Mm-hmm. And when Marge and Homer come home with Maggie covering the last spot, like the house looks so clean, Grandpa. What's your secret? He goes pretending to cry and gets right in their face and starts laughing. That's right. And they're I just pretending to cry. And they're just shocked by this, and they're like, "I'll never trust another old person again." And the episode ends with the bait salesman getting bait for another patron, and he's like, "Yep, they say that uh, General Sherman is the biggest catfish ever made." 
and nobody's ever caught him. Well, one man came close, went by the name of Homa. He was seven feet tall, with arms like tree trunks and eyes like steel, and fiery red hair like hell itself. <laughs> now Homer's part of the legend. And that's probably, like, the best payoff. So, where I stood at the beginning was, ugh, I don't want to watch this. And at the end, I'm like, yeah, this is good. Yep. Got some great classic moments in there. War of the Simpsons. What's your overall thoughts, Dan? Yeah, same thing. It was like, a, <laughs> oh, another, they're almost going to get a divorce. But then it was like, oh, yeah, but it's such a great episode. Way better than what they did in season one between Princess Cashmere and Jacques and even the... Uh, some Enchanted Evening has a little bit of that in the beginning. This is way better. It's funny. It's it's clever. It's fast-paced. It's got classic TV tropes in it that are all... Also, also a good B-plot. Again, the thing that they're talking <laughs> about last week is like getting... A... They're getting better at, at doing the B-plots. And... And it's, it's and... funny, too, because it's, it's, it's also a natural B-plot. That's exactly how kids would take advantage of a babysitter... In that circumstance, and hell, even I did, even when I was super young. And <laughs> yeah. I was like, hey, Grandpa, Mom says it'd be okay if you bought me a Ninja Turtle. <laughs> it always comes back to Ninja Turtles. I love it. Because <laughs> what movie? What movie did you see in theaters the most? <laughs> the first Ninja Turtles movie. First Ninja Turtles movie. We were living in Virginia, and that summer, everyone like. And the family up north came down to visit us, and we just kept on taking them to the 99 cent theater playing Ninja Turtles. So I had to have seen it at least seven times. There you go. So let's do some trivia from War of the Simpsons. An unsolicited script from a writer not working on the show, also about Homer and Marge going to marriage retreat, caused legal problems at the time. To avoid any further problems from this coincidence, they paid the guy $3,000. <laughs> So there this you go. Horse welder script. Our very first character appearance of Snake Jailbird. Who sometimes he's a criminal, sometimes he's not. Hey, in a future episode, he actually tries to kill Homer. Come on, let's hear that next snap. So he has a great line in this one, but my favorite, of course, is from Who Shepherds. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Beta. Beta. <laughs> so Homer's false memory is a reference to the Algonquin Round Table or Algonquin Round Table. It's a group of New York City writers, critics, actors, and wits. So they do a, a clever little parody in there that as a kid you're not gonna get that, but as an adult you might actually understand the reference. So would you like to hear Ned Flanders Planters Punch recipe? I got it right here. Oh, yeah? Three shots of rum, a jigger of bourbon, and just a little dabaroo of creme de cases for flavor. That actually sounds really and good. And I'm going to try that. Punch. Of course, of course fruit punch. punch. Exactly. <laughs> Some of your uh, Tahitian treat. So they did have other couples at the retreat that had to get cut. Mr. Burns was going to have a mail-order bride. Miss. <laughs> Mrs. Krabappel was going to be trying to reunite with her estranged husband, Ken Krabappel. And they said that the scene just played out horribly badly, and it appears as if Mr. Burns' mail-order bride was a prostitute. Uh, the Ken Krabappel character was going to be based on Dean Martin, but somehow he ended up with a southern accent and made him sound like a hick. 
The whole scene was rewritten with help from James L. Brooks, and it was completed after several hours. A scene yeah, you with... only need that, that one other couple. And... Yeah, exactly. The Sanders are here because they go to every church function. Right, and they always that. do stuff to spruce up their marriage. Yeah. A scene in which Moe asked Dr. Hibbert to cure his discolored feces was also removed during the first <laughs> reading of the script. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I would have left that in, but James L. Brooks didn't like it. <laughs> That's aw- <laughs> That's funny. I would have left that in. That may, but you know what? That might not have flown in season two. You That might have been something you would have had to save. A poop joke? That kind of a poop joke, but I don't know. Yeah, but it's a serious question for a doctor. <laughs> so, of course, the whole I love you, but I have to kill you General Sherman Homer thing is, of course, based on Santiago's fight with the Marlin in Ernest Hemingway's The Old Man and the Sea. Although anybody who knows literature would have picked up on that right away. That's for all of you out there who don't know books. <clears throat> Marge urges Homer to go easy on the alcohol. And if you remember, the last time she worded it like that was when she was halfway in the bag herself. Yes. With no disgrace I like home. put a little alcohol. <laughs> Uh, Julie Kavnir and Dan Castellaneta provided the voice of Gloria and John, making it the first time they voiced a couple other than Homer and Marge. In fact, this is one of the few times that Julie voiced a character that wasn't in the Bouvier family. Because really, it's just Marge and the twins. She really doesn't do a lot of other voices. Also, John and Gloria bear a resemblance to George and Martha from Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. And did you notice what they were parodying with that General Sherman photo? It's, of course, the Loch Ness Monster hoax photo. That's the only known photo of him. There's another first in this episode. The first time Nelson does his trademark laugh. When he's in the kitchen and... He goes, hey, you want me to take off the my belt? And Grandpa takes off the belt to whip him and his pants fall down. Uh, in the church, right in front of Marge, is the family from the picnic at Mr. Burns' house. Which I guess they're, uh, they're okay now. Because that's one of my favorite season one uh, in-jokes is when you see the perfect family and then they're at Dr. Marvin Monroe's family therapy clinic. Oh, here they are again. And then they said, uh, Mark Kirkland was, he said that animating Homer's drunk was a challenge because he had to analyze how people behave when intoxicated. He said, I shifted Homer's eyes open and close. They're not working in sync. And of course, Homer can't keep his balance, which is why he's shifting back and forth. I think it works though. And did you know? Did you recognize the score at all that they used for Bart chasing the teenage babysitter? They actually ripped it off from The Omen. <laughs> of course they did. And then our last two pieces of trivia will be from the spoily section. Matt Groening later expressed an objection to the ending, which sees General Sherman jumping out of the water and winking at the camera because he thought that was overly cartoony. I mean, The Simpsons are a cartoon, so... And, of course, we mention that uh, Homer does butcher the lyrics to I Am the Champion, or We Are the Champions with I Am the Champion. But 
It's possible because he's either doing it for himself, is too stupid to know the actual lyrics, or he might have also been drunk. We'll leave that one up to you guys to decide. But that's the War of the Simpsons. Uh, much better than we, I, than either one of us expected going in, because we both ha- we both kind of lowered our expectations for it. But I, I think that turned out to be an overall positive. So what's happening next week, Dan? Next week on the show is Three Men and a Comic Book. Yes, our penultimate season two episode. Two guest stars. And a first appearance. Yes. Yes, indeed. But we have another guest. Another guest star. We will be joined next week. By host of Real Paranormal Talk and Ranking Tracks, Jeff Trelowitz. As we have mentioned many times on the show, if there's a favorite episode of yours and you'd like to be part of the discussion when we review it, you all you got to do is let us know which episodes and we'll put you on the list. Jeff Trelowitz has picked his first spot, so our first guest will be next week on the Stupid Sexy Podcast. Three Men in a Comic Book with Jeff Trelowitz coming up next time. And we're all about to conclude Season 2. We only have two episodes left, Dan, and then that's it. We're moving on to Season 3. And you know what good stuff is coming out of Season 3. We would be there a lot sooner, except that I had some issues getting this show on a regular schedule because of my schedule. But we've done it, and we're here now, and all is well. Any last words, Dan? Uh... Did you get that Ninja Turtle, by the way? Oh, yeah. Oh, awesome. And my grandfather knew me, of course. Of course, but it's also a grandparent, and that's like the thing, right? Is the grandparent spoils the grandkids. Yeah. Of course. Well, that's going to conclude this week's episode. We'll see you next time on the Stupid Sexy Podcast. Because like I'm podcasting nothing at all.